Good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. Please stand, if you will. Let's join in and sing together.
Thank you. You may be seated. That song said, you have saved me and set me free. Amen. That is what true freedom is, to be set free from our sins and bondage and free in Jesus Christ. I am so thankful today that we have freedom. Amen. I'm thankful for the political freedom we have in America to meet here and to worship God in public, but I'm even more thankful for the spiritual freedom that God has given us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, to be set free by Jesus. If you are in bondage, my prayer is today, God set you free. Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. We're glad that you're here. If you are a first-time guest, we extend a warm welcome to you. There's a Connect card on the chair back in front of you. If you would fill that out and take it to the Connect counter after service, we have a gift for you. What a beautiful day. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. I asked the first service people, wouldn't y'all rather go outside and have church? And they all applauded. They wanted to go until I said, okay, I'll sit out there and you can stand. And they changed their mind. We're glad that you're here. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and ask God's blessing on this service and be thankful for the freedom we have in Jesus. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for the freedom we have as a country. Thank you, dear Lord, for the lives that were given so that we can enjoy meeting and worshiping you publicly today. Thank you most of all for the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. I pray that Jesus would be exalted and lifted up today and that through that you would draw men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Turn around and greet one another, would you? Thank you. You may be seated. For more than two centuries, Americans have been called on to defend the founding ideals of our democracy. On Memorial Day, a grateful nation remembers the proud patriots who made the ultimate sacrifice in defense of liberty's blessings. As we observe Memorial Day, we remember the more than one million Americans who have died to preserve our freedom, and the more than 140,000 citizens who were prisoners of war, and all those who were declared missing in action. Today, all who wear the uniform of the United States are serving at a crucial hour in our history, and each has answered a great call to serve our nation on the front lines of freedom. As we continue to fight terrorism and promote peace and freedom, let us pray for the safety and the strength of our troops, for God's blessings on them and their families, and for those who have lost loved ones. On this Memorial Day weekend, we honor all of our fallen soldiers, their commitment to our country, and their legacy of patriotism and sacrifice. By giving their lives in the cause of freedom, these heroes have protected and inspired 
all Americans. In respect for their devotion to America, the Congress passed a resolution in December of the year 2000 for all Americans to observe a national moment of remembrance. The resolution asked that at 3 p.m. on Memorial Day, local time, for all Americans to voluntarily and informally observe in their own way a moment of remembrance and respect, pausing from doing whatever they are doing for a moment of silence. Now, therefore, I, Will Harmon, also ask all of the good people of Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church to observe the national moment of remembrance at 3 p.m. tomorrow on Memorial Day. And may God bless America. And before we continue to worship our Savior, would those who have served or are currently serving either in the military or any law enforcement agency, would you please stand so that we can recognize and applaud you? If you have served or are serving, would you stand? Wow. Take a moment and look. Take a moment and look. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I want to say it again. God bless America. We need his blessings. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ?
God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory.
Yeah. 
Father, I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And we do long for your presence, Father. This world is just so full of the ugly and the hateful and the evil. But we have your presence in our hearts and our lives, Father, to overcome all of that. And I'm so thankful. I feel your presence here this morning. And it's so wonderful, Father. I just pray that you flow through every heart in this building. And let not anyone leave without having felt the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would be with Will as he brings the message, that our hearts would be open, and that we would hear what you want us to hear, and that we would respond as you would have us to, Father. I pray that you would meet every need represented here this morning because you are so able. There's nothing too hard for you, God. I praise you once again, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? The Holy Spirit is welcome here. This is God's house, God's time. You are God's people. And why wouldn't the Holy Spirit be here? We just ask Him to move in our hearts and minds. And as I speak on the outside, it is my prayer that God's Holy Spirit would speak directly into your heart. I'm going to read five different passages of Scripture, and I want you to try to follow along and pick out the theme of these different passages, the, the motif that is woven through each one of them. The first comes from Psalms 103, verses 15 and 16. It says, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind blows over it, and it's gone. What about Job 14, 1 and 2? Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and then he fades away. I love Isaiah chapter 40 verses 6 through 8. All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Then what about Matthew chapter 6, verse 28? Jesus said, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Now if God so clothed the grass with field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? And then I want to close with 1 Peter chapter 1, which resembles Isaiah 40. Peter says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You know, God uses many different word pictures in the Bible to show us what we're like. He compares us to sheep out in a field, to stars in the universe, to clay in the hands of the potter. And then several times in Scripture, as in the passages we just read, God likens us to flowers. Can you believe that? 
Like flowers, we're only here for a season. Flowers bloom in the springtime and they're absolutely beautiful. Their fragrance fills the air and they bring to many of you great joy. How many of you love flowers? You want a yard full of flowers? A house full of flowers? I saw a guy carrying a card the other day. He said, help, I'm out of money. My wife keeps buying flowers. But you know what? In that way, too, we're like flowers. We're only here for a short season, but while we are here, the Bible tells us we are to fill our world with fragrance and with joy. We need to bring something refreshing into this world, and it should be with our own lives. And that brings me to my message today. Years ago, I, I used to get Reader's Digest, and, and I, I received those for the stories that were inside. There, there were great sermon illustrations. I can remember receiving one Reader's Digest, and one of the articles caught my attention. It was the top eight questions that people ask ministers. And I jotted those down. I, I still have them in my office. The, the top eight questions that ministers were asked, and one of those questions is what we're dealing with this morning. What can I do to make this world a better place? Have you ever wondered that? What, what can just one person, what can little old me do to make this world a better? I guess we need to start. Do you think this world needs to be a better place? Okay, so what can I do to help make it a better place? One of the best answers I've ever found comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let me read these verses to you. Dear friends... I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or the Gentiles or the unsaved people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and they may glorify God on the day is the pastor of Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, a huge church, a mega church. Uh, there's, there's a young man that served as an intern there that's a friend of mine, and he reports that one day he had personal time with Ed Young Sr., and he asked him, Dr. Young, what is it that you do as pastor of this mega church? I mean, what do you do in a day's time? And here was Dr. Young's reply after he thought about it for a moment. He said, that's not the primary question. What we do doesn't matter as much as who we are. I've got to be a strong Christian, he said, before I can do effective ministry. Being always comes before doing. Did you get that? This passage I read from 1 Peter chapter 2 makes the exact same point. Making a better world depends more on my character than it does on my actions. It isn't what we do as much as who we are. Are you the real deal? That's what our world needs to see. And if you were here this past Wednesday night, you heard Pastor Jose from Puerto Rico say it so eloquently. God is looking for people who will take up their cross and follow Jesus. People who are the real deal. So my question to you is, who are you? Who are you? Well, according to this passage, we are, number one, obtainers. 
Look at verse 11 again. Beloved, Peter writes, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims in this world, did you know that we have obtained from God the love and salvation that we have through his son, Jesus Christ? The phrase beloved, or as some translation Jews, dear friends, comes from the Greek word agape, meaning a deep and divine love. It's the love that originated and comes from God himself. So Peter calls us dearly, divinely loved ones. And here's what I want you to remember, that this book, Scripture, is a love letter written from God to us. The Bible is a love letter God wrote to you. These words that we read today aren't just from Peter to his readers. They are from God written directly to you. And God in this passage is calling you his dearly, divinely loved ones, his dear friends. That's amazing to me that God would think that way about me, that God considers me his dear friend, his loved one. I've been reading some passages this, this past week that have helped me visualize God's love to me. One passage is from Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is, say this with me, slow to anger and That is an amazing passage of Scripture. My God is slow to anger and rich in love. I don't know what it is about me. I guess I'm just getting old. And with oldness comes a little bit of cantankerousness. I'm getting old and ornery. And I don't want to be that way. I, I really don't want to be old and grouchy. But, but here's what I figured out. As you get older, you just, I think you just naturally turn that way. Why? Because you realize the time you have left is limited. I mean, I don't have that many more days left. And I don't want to waste all my time on foolishness. So would you just quit acting foolish? So I don't have to get old and grumpy and grouchy. And along with that grouchiness, I, I get, Nathan, I just get angry. I mean, it just comes over me like that. I'll, I'll turn on the news or, or I'll pull up an article of, of news that's happening in our country and I just get mad. I get angry at all the junk that's happening and the, and the foolishness that's going on. I mean, it's, it is, it's absolute craziness. And I'm thinking, we need to stop the craziness. Why, I just get so angry? And then I have to step back and realize, you know what? How does God see me? Because I do some pretty dumb things sometimes. I think some pretty stupid things sometimes. And God would have every right in the universe to get angry with me. But this passage tells me that my God is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger. Thank God for that. And he is rich in his love. I wonder, have you ever experienced the richness of God's love? It is a love that is so rich that can transform your life. That's amazing. How about Zephaniah 317? The Lord your God is with you. He will calm you with his love. Now that's an interesting phrase, is it not? God will calm you with his love. 
I've got a, a beautiful little granddaughter. I guess Whitney just had to take her out. It's my third grandbaby, uh, little baby Jules. Next Sunday, we're going to dedicate Jules to the Lord. She's five months old, and you know, she's just, she's, she's perfect. Don't you hate it when grandparents talk about their grandkids and tell you how perfect they are? She really is a good baby, though. She, she hardly ever cries. A couple of weeks ago, Angie and I went down to SMU for Zane's graduation from, from SMU, and, and Whitney came along with us, and she, of course, she brought baby Jules, you know. And the whole way to Dallas, I didn't even know Jules was in the back seat. She never cried. When we were at the graduation ceremony, she didn't cry one time. She's just an amazing little baby. However, one night in the motel room, she started crying. And I mean, she wouldn't stop crying. And, and Angie and Whitney were busy doing things. They, they had been to the Dillard's Outlet Mall that day and spent 17 hours at the Dillard's Outlet Mall. And, and they were adding up all the money they saved. And little Jules was crying, and, and so they handed Jules to me, and you know, I was doing the granddaddy thing. I was, I was bouncing her. I was talking to her. I started singing to her, which made things worse. And finally, Whitney came over and took baby Jules from me. And you know, just like that, she stopped crying. And, and I've been thinking about that. Why, why was it, why was it that just like that, she stopped crying. Well, I think it really was because Whitney's her mama. She, she's the one who birthed this baby. She loves this baby more than anybody else does. And just holding her can calm her down. Now, with that in mind, look at this verse again. The Lord your God is with you. He will calm you with his love. God's greatest demonstration of love is when he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to planet earth to die for your sins on the rugged cross. And when we receive him as our savior, he adopts us as his own children. We become a part of the family of God and he makes us everlasting citizens of his heavenly kingdom. What a blessing. And as a result of that, we are kingdom bound. As a result of that, we become strangers and pilgrims on planet Earth. Or let me say it like Peter did. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims in this world. Vance Havner put it this way. We are not citizens of Earth traveling to heaven. We are citizens of heaven traveling through this Earth. Amen? The words Peter uses imply that we are people traveling in a foreign country. When you travel abroad, you've got to be careful, don't you? You've got to be careful about the food that you eat and the water that you drink. You have to change your currency. You have to speak a different language or at least figure out a way you're going to communicate in a different language. You've got to carry your passport and pray you don't lose it. And you never forget that you are an American in a foreign land. You know what? The, the, the problem with too many of us is that we've just settled down in this old world. We become comfortable here. 
We've started thinking this world is our own, and, and we've started taking on the traits of this world, and we've even started thinking like this world. But I want to remind you, dear Christians, this world is not your home. One of my favorite hymns out of the old Heavenly Highway hymn book said this, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore because this world is not my home. Jesus said this of his followers, they are not of this world even as I am not of this world. So dear friends, we have obtained the love of God and we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. If we have accepted Jesus, that's who we are. We have obtained his love. We are part of his family. And this world is not our own. Not only are we obtainers, consequently because of that, we are abstainers. Since we are pilgrims in this world, there are some worldly activities and habits that as Christians we need to avoid. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 again. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. That word abstain means to keep constantly holding oneself back from fleshly lust as a constant, ever-present duty. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week that we are on guard. You can call me old-fashioned if you want to, but you would be a whole lot better off and our world would be a much better place if people would just abstain from fleshly lust, which is warring against their own soul. Listen to me as beloved children of God and as aliens and pilgrims in this world. We are to abstain. That means we say no. We abstain from sex before marriage. We abstain from any kind of sexual activity outside of the marriage covenant. We abstain from going to bars and nightclubs. We abstain from drinking and drugging. We abstain from foul language and telling dirty jokes. We abstain from violent, sex-filled, profanity-laced movies. We abstain from the sinful desires that are waging war in our souls. We say no. The word war means a constant, active, aggressive conflict. It's always going on. Are you alive? Are you breathing? Prove it to me by raising your hand, all right? Okay. If you're alive and breathing, I can guarantee you there is a constant, active, aggressive conflict going on in your heart and mind right now. In fact, the devil is telling you what he's saying is a bunch of junk. That is so old-fashioned and out of place. It's not hip. That's not groovy. That's not the way the world lives. Don't listen to that dumb old preacher up there. Did you know that our real battle is not with people around us? Our real battle is with the passions 
within us. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, said it like this. I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man I know. Hmm. Number three, we are explainers. 1 Peter 2.12. He says, live such good lives among the pagans. Again, Gentiles, unsaved people, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That verse implies that in addition to being obtainers and abstainers, we are also to be explainers. We should live happy, holy, pure, godly, Christ-like lives before our friends at work and at school and in our community. We should radiate with a hope which nobody else has. And to follow that motif that I started reading about, we should walk around with a sweet fragrance, the fragrance of Jesus. And if you do that, I guarantee you people are going to notice. And eventually they're going to talk to you about it. And, And when they ask us, we should be ready to give them a reason for the hope that we have inside of us. We should be able to explain the gospel of Jesus. I will never forget this Saturday morning. It happened uh, well over 30 years ago. Angie and I lived in, in Pine Bluff at the Parsonage, 3010 Orange Street, Pine Bluff, America. The church owned a city block. And we had our old sanctuary and educational building, then a, a big new gymnasium, and there were two houses on the property for the pastors who were on staff. Have you ever heard of the term parsonage? Most, most churches used to have a parsonage on the property. It's where the preacher lived. Well, our parsonage was butted up against our parking lot, so you could actually park at the church, walk down this little bitty sidewalk, and be at our kitchen door. And when we first moved there, the people of the church really thought that was their house. And sometimes they would just walk in without knocking. That happened a couple of times until Miss Angie shut it down. (laughs) This was a Saturday morning, probably mid-morning. I got a knock on that kitchen door, and, and I opened the door, and there was my friend, a member of the church. His name was Joe. Joe was tall, handsome, young, strong, educated. He had a wife and two kids, a great job. He was in finance. But I could tell something was wrong with Joe. He started trembling, and then a tear came to his eye, and he said, Rev, that's what they called me back in those Pine Bluff days, Rev. That's a cool little name, isn't it? Rev. They even bought me a sweatshirt that had Rev on it. He said, Rev, I need you to pray for me. I said, okay, Joe, what, what's up? He said, well, I woke up this morning and I couldn't see out of one of my eyes. And so I went to my eye doctor and after a long examination, he, th- he thinks there's a major problem. He thinks I may have cancer. And so he set up an appointment for me at a specialist in, in Little Rock and, and I, I just desperately need your prayer. And so we prayed. Well, to make a long story short, It was cancer, and they had to remove Joe's eye. 
He was a young man, probably in his early 30s, who had to live the rest of his life with a glass eye. Talk about traumatic. That was traumatic for him and his family. But here's what I can say about my friend Joe. He never lost his faith in God. In fact, instead of questioning his faith, he grew in his faith. And I could see a boldness coming over Joe's life in, in the next few months that made, him, that made him an outspoken witness for Jesus Christ. And one day, Joe stopped by the office and told me what had happened that day. A, a man he worked with came into his office and, and said that he had been watching Joe closely. The man said that he knew that Joe professed to be a Christian and attended the Oak Park Free Will Baptist Church, but after he lost his eye, he wanted to see if Joe really had a relationship with God. So the man was watching him at work closely to see if Joe was the real deal. And let me tell you, my friend Joe Blackerby was the real deal. And as a result of that, that man was saved. Here's what Peter said, live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits them. Most commentators believe that that phrase in the day of visitation refers to the day he visits us with salvation. So my point in this very short sermon today is real simple. To make this world a better place, we've got to have better people. Doesn't that make sense? To have better people, we've got to direct them to Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can transform lives and make people better. In order for us to direct them to Jesus, we must, number one, obtain his love and his forgiveness. Number two, we must abstain from sinful activities because let me tell you something. If you're just like the world, you're not going to be able to change the world. So after having obtained God's love and abstained from sinful desires, we are to live such good lives in front of them that we show them the love of Jesus. And when they ask us, we can explain to them how their life can be changed as well. You know what? This happens one person at a time. Not many of us are far-famed evangelists who can win hundreds and thousands of souls to Jesus in a single sermon. No, most of us simply influence people one person at a time. But listen to me, never ever underestimate the importance of the one person. When Angie and I got married, I don't know, how many years ago has it been, babe? 40 years ago, I was so broke and so cheap, I couldn't take her on a honeymoon. I've regretted that. But you know what? After 40 years of marriage, I'm, gonna, I'm about to take her on a little trip. We're, we're, we're going to go to a little island and just, just be by ourselves for a few days. And, and I'm kind of excited about that. I don't really like the beach that much. I can stand it for 30 minutes, but Angie loves it. She'll be out there all day. I, I do like walking down the beach, though, and every time I walk down the beach, I think, I think of this story, one of my favorite stories about a boy throwing starfish back into the ocean. 
Millions of starfish washed ashore, and the boy was walking down the beach, picking them up, throwing them back into the ocean one at a time before they died. There was an old man walking the opposite direction. Grumpy old man. Boy, I don't want to become that grumpy old man. If you see me getting grumpy, would you say something to Angie about it? <laughs> this old man, he was ridiculing that little boy. He said, there are millions of starfish. You can't save them all. You can't even save a fraction of them. Look at all of them. What does it matter? The boy picked up another starfish and he looked at it. He tossed it back in the ocean. He looked at that grumpy old man and said, well, it mattered to that one. Would you join me as we do our part to make this world a better place? Ronnie, it happens one person at a time. When you have obtained the love and forgiveness of Jesus and start living for God and taking up your cross and following him and abstaining from the passions of this world, when you do that and get on fire for Jesus, people are going to matter to you. Your own family, your own loved ones, the people on your street, the people you work with, the kids you go to school with, they start mattering to you because they're people who need their lives changed by God. Would you join me as we not only become obtainers but abstainers and then most of all explainers because they need Jesus and every life matters. And if we're going to make this world a better place, it's going to happen one person at a time. Why don't we start that ball rolling right now? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have an invitation and allow you to come and get right with Jesus. Maybe you've never been saved. Would you obtain his love and forgiveness today? Could be that you are a Christian, but you know what? You've conformed to the things of this world, and you've been saying yes to the devil, and you need to come today and confess those sins and get right with Jesus and become an abstainer. All of us in this room have lost loved ones. I've got a couple of people in my family that I pray for at least two times a day who need Jesus. So would you come and intervene for your lost loved ones? Pray for God to give you an opportunity to witness to them. It may be that you just need to come and pray this morning. The altars are open. Maybe you want to come and give God thanks for the freedom that we have to come and worship him. Heavenly Father, would you please help us to come and pray today for whatever reason you lay upon our hearts. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to answer the call today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team is going to sing. Come, join me at the altar. Let's pray.
Jesus, we do thank you for your Holy Spirit and the presence of God we feel in this place. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to every heart, bless every life. Help us, dear Lord, to uh, be the real deal every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Help us to reflect Jesus. Help us to be good explainers of the gospel. Help us to make this world a better place, one person at a time. And I pray that that process would begin in our own hearts today. Thank you, dear Lord, for this church and for our people. I pray a blessing on those present and those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks for being here today. Man, thanks for coming. If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, please remember to put your offering in one of those black boxes near the door when you walk out. If you're a guest and haven't done this yet, please fill out one of our Connect cards and drop it off at the Connect counter. We have a gift for you. Remember tomorrow, Memorial Day, whatever you're doing at 3 o'clock, stop and spend a moment in silence reflecting on your freedom and giving God thanks for that. Wednesday night, come back. We have classes and uh, activities for all age groups. I told the first service people, I'm preaching this Wednesday night to the people in this room. It'll be, you got me stuck with me. I'm not sure what I'm going to preach yet, but I'm going to be preaching. Okay. Yeah, it, went, it went over about that way, first service. They kind of booed because they like the other guys preaching on Wednesday night. But anyway, it's going to be this Wednesday. I'm excited about that. Vacation Bible School. Woo! I love, is little Billy going to be at VBF? Maybe. Could be. There's a possibility little Billy's going to be here. Man, I can't wait for that. It's going to happen June 5 through 7. So not this week, but next week, Monday through Wednesday, VBS. Uh, tell Brother Johnny you'll help him and bring kids to VBS. This Saturday, June the 3rd, we're going to have a big... I don't know, we call it yard sale, but it's really out of the gymnasium here at the church. All proceeds are going to our work in Puerto Rico, Pastor Jose. So here's what Matt, uh, Matt asked. If you have stuff in your garage, your closet, your house, your attic that you don't need at your house anymore, bring it up to the church on Friday evening after five o'clock and just dump it off. They're going to turn around and sell it on Saturday, all right? And everything that is made goes directly to Puerto Rico. You can even come on Saturday and, and buy some more junk if you want to. You know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. On June the 11th, we're going to have one more photo day. We had three weeks of this not long ago. Trying to, uh, We're trying to make a new directory, picture directory. And most everybody w was able to get their photo made, but some of you were not able to. This is our last chance at it. And please, 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 if you haven't had your photo made, we knew, need a new photo of you for our directory. So on June 11th, either before or after service in the lobby, we're going to be taking pictures of you. This Friday, drug court graduation is going to be held right here at Kavanaugh Church. I'm so excited about that. Um, Judge Steve Tabor's in charge of this, and we've been hosting drug court for goodness since they started it maybe 20 years ago. And it's a great event. Uh, be here if you can on Friday morning and celebrate with those who are graduating from drug court. 
want you to pray for Fred Froball. Fred's back in the hospital. Been there a couple of days. They continue to run tests on him. I told him yesterday, we're going to have special prayer for Fred today. So you pray for him. Also pray for Ray Copeland, our primetime pastor. Uh, Wednesday night uh, on the way into his house in his garage, uh, Ray tripped and fell and broke his hip and is in tremendous pain. So do pray for him. Also pray for David Hodges. This is Delbert's brother. Uh, He's in grave condition at the hospital praying for intervention in his life as well. Would you stand up? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you. Thank you for your grace, mercy. I pray for these three individuals who need a blessing from you right now. Lord, I pray for Brother Fred. Let him know that his church family is praying for him. We pray for Brother Ray. Touch his body, bring healing to his fractured hip. And dear Lord, we pray for the Hodges family. Be with David, be gentle with him and with his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Get out there and be salt and light in a dark world.